for a book about how important trees and protecting our forests are, I felt like it used a lot of unnecessary paper. (laughs) (laughs) Hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 222. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Readers, I am about to head out on the road for my next book, Don't Overthink It. It comes out March 3rd, and I'm so excited for this opportunity to meet so many of you in person. Some of our events, like our evening at The Strand in New York City and The Story Shop in Monroe, Georgia, are even planned What Should I Read Next live experiences that will be extra fun for our listeners. I'd love to see you there. You can get all the info on book tour dates at modernmrsdarcy.com slash events. I'd love to see you this spring. For a live experience from the comfort of your home or office, join me and What Should I Read Next producer Brenna Frederick at our Patreon live stream on February 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be answering your questions, chatting about behind the scenes What Should I Read Next secrets, and of course, dishing out personalized recommendations. Learn how to participate at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash what should I read next. Today, we'll be listening in on my recent live event in Huntsville, Alabama, in collaboration with Snail on the Wall and the Rocket City Moms Book Club. Shannon Malone hosted a conversation with me about my new book, Don't Overthink It, and then I held a live literary matchmaking session with Aaron, a reader from the audience who loves books about the simple life. I have to tell you, I absolutely adore meeting you in person. Events like these are a delight every time. And at the same time, I am terrified in the moment that Erin is going to tell me three books she loves, one book she doesn't, and then we'll say, Anne, what should I read next? And I will have absolutely no clue, just none at all. 
that doesn't happen in Huntsville, thank goodness. And it hasn't happened yet. No, I'm not saying it won't in the future. And even if it did, of course, you know, we would still all have a great time together and it would be fine. But as you listen today, I hope you enjoy hearing what the show is like live and off the cuff. You'll also hear me make two very live and off the cuff and obvious mistakes, including attributing the authorship of a book I love to a fictional character. So listen close and see if you can spot them. We can call this the scavenger hunt edition of What Should I Read Next? It's a lot of fun. There's great energy in this room here, and I'm excited that you get to step inside it in this episode. Let's get to it. Thank you. Welcome. So we're thrilled that this is finally, finally happening. Y'all, Shannon doesn't just host Rocket City Mom. She is on my Modern Mrs. Darcy, What Should I Read Next, Pemberley team. Yes. And I'm so happy to have her. And it's always a pleasure to make virtual relationships a physical reality. And it's just always so good to be in the same place with your book people. It is. It is. So this has taken on an entirely different dimension when I started working for her. Because now she's my boss. I mean, you read a book and look where you can end up. Right, 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 right. (laughs) So initially when we were talking about we were, initially when we were talking about having this event, it was just, oh Shannon, I was on episode one seventy nine of what should I read next? Whatever. She'll come and then she'll go away and I'll never see her. Nobody's gonna say yes to a podcast invitation again. (laughs) I doubt that. All right, let's just jump right in. So you said you have been in Huntsville before on one of your Instagram stories. When was that and why didn't I know about it? We, we is my family of six, two of whom are obsessed with rockets, two of whom really don't care. And so that's a fun family dynamic. And um, two of whom are kind of interested in anything, and I'll let you all decide who's who. Um, finally went to the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. I think it was like a year and a half ago, but time is a slippery thing. Um, my iPhone knows. Yes. We, we can check those photos. <laughs> but it was a delight. We went on a day much like this. But I mean, Wet and rainy. the rockets were still tall and cool. Also, my parents are obsessed with German food, and they were just here last week dining specifically they wanted to eat german food in huntsville alabama so who knew that was a thing i want to know about your journey from blogger Uh on modern mrs darcy Uh to now i started following you in 2012 so that was a long time ago it was a long time ago in internet years that was a really long time ago (laughs) so i do books like i i talk about books and i sometimes move in literary circles. I feel like the word blog is like synonymous with lowbrow. So we're just going to go there. But I started a blog in 2011, like right around New Year's. I don't remember if it was before or if it was after, but it was one of those things that came about. The kids were in bed and we had takeout sushi and a bottle of wine. So like that's where the magic happens, right? Yes. We were talking about our like what had happened the year before and our hopes and dreams for the years to come. And my husband had done a little bit of business blogging. And I was like, you should keep doing that. That was kind of cool. And he was like, eh, it was fine. But I've been thinking about who should really start a blog. And I was like, who? (laughs) And he said, you totally should. And I said, the only blog I read is yours. That is stupid. Okay. But I am easily persuadable. And 20 minutes later, I was like, what could I call it? What would the categories be? And it right. took a couple months. I mean, it felt like forever at the time to see an idea from 
reluctant conception to like actually doing something on the right. internet. That's always it felt like forever. It was like two and a half months. It was not that long, but okay. the first post went up in like February of 2011. So when did you decide it would be about books? Is it about books? I know, I know, I know. So I protested for a long time and now like I've just embraced the fact that it's pretty much a book blog. But it, I mean, it, that was not my original intention okay. at all. Like I wanted to write about issues that matter to me as a woman specifically and a person in the world who's, who uh, just wanted to, wanted to talk about the things that mattered. And, mm-hmm. I, and I also wanted to talk about things that existed at the intersection of the timeless and the timely. Like that's where the modern Mrs. Darcy came from. I know it's a, a lifestyle blog, but it seems to have... <laughs> Another phrase I would have protested from. Except my friend Tish Oxenreiter, when she told me that she thought of it as a lifestyle blog for nerds, I thought I could live with that. What you have done, though, is formed a community around books mm-hmm. and reading. Mm-hmm. Since that wasn't the original plan, and it's not still the plan, but it's kind of morphed into that, right? Yeah, it has. Okay. It has. When did you decide, oh, I need a book club or let's do podcasts. Oh, let's have a book retreat. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about issues that really mattered in real people's lives, but you can't be too precious about that or self-important because that gets real boring and real obnoxious real fast. Um, Not that I knew that at the time, but I think I sensed it. And I realized that when I wanted to talk about these bigger ideas in my life that I've been wrestling with, Mm -hmm. that often the way in, the way to begin to understand it, the way to like introduce it to someone else I was talking to would start with, well, I was reading this book last week and it got me thinking about, so I'd end up writing these blog posts that were not in any sense book reviews. And I wasn't necessarily talking about the literature, but I was saying I read a book and it opened a door and it made me see the world in a different way, or it made me think about this issue, or it made me wonder if my attitude towards this thing was correct. And I quickly began to see that um, not only did reading like really open my own my own mind and change my ways of thinking and cause me to reflect about things that I wouldn't have thought about if I hadn't read something first, but I found that it also opened the door not only my own mind, but to conversation with others. I was not an English major for banishing common misconceptions, Uh, but I have always loved to read and I love the power of books to build bridges and change the way you think and take you exciting places. But seeing how that could happen as an adult who wasn't engaged in formal educational pursuits, who was trying to have a nerdy kind of fun to see how effective that was. It was really surprising to me, Mm. but also it was so fun. And I thought I want to do more of that. So naturally the blog content started to go more and more in that direction. At first it was accidental, but then I started to think, Hey, that worked. Mm -hmm. Like I liked that. How can I do that again? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm happy that you go in that direction. I have a lot of bookish friends now Mm -hmm. that I didn't Mm -hmm. have. How many of you guys have a lot of friends in your life that love books? I need to be friends with all of you Mm -hmm. because I do not have that. And so Anne has really opened up that door and it's it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I have to thank her for that. How many of us are moms here? How many of us wonder how Anne does it all? (laughs) so please share well y'all Shannon is on my team to make things happen so there's your first indicator right right but you you're writing your third book or you've written your third book oh that is done that that is actually I turned in my page proofs 
We are not going to talk about this all night because it would get real boring real fast for 96% of you. But um, you have to, when you write a book, you have to edit it like approximately 17 times. And I just mm-hmm. did the last one. If I find a typo tomorrow, they're going to be like, yeah, tough luck. You had your chance. You had wow. 17 of them. Yeah, it's done. And it's entitled, Don't Overthink It, Make Easier Decisions, Stop Second Guessing, and Bring More Joy to Your Life. Who wants all of those things? Right. So pre-order today. I have heard this, that it's kind of a departure a little bit, Mm -hmm. maybe from Mm -hmm. I'd Rather Be Reading, which you guys got today, Mm -hmm. and Reading People. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? It's funny. So I end up writing the book that is about the thing that I've been thinking about really hard for a really long time. It took me so long to realize that I don't write what I think. I write to find out Mm -hmm. what I think. And that's one of the reasons I think the blog, which, you know, if you read it, thank you for doing that. I wouldn't have done it for all these years if it hadn't been personally valuable to me as well, because the process of writing those posts forces me to think about things in a way that I just don't think about if I'm... Mm -hmm going about my day. Right. I can't tell you how many times I would sit down. Oh, I'm going to sit down and write this post real quick about X. And then I'll sit down and go, wait, I don't actually know anything about this. And then four hours later, maybe there's something I can publish. Maybe right. if I'm lucky. Right. Um, don't Overthink It is the book that best reflects the posts I've written on Modern Mrs. Darcy over the years that don't have to do with books and reading. And it's mm-hmm. really funny. Like who in this room reads the blog? Have you noticed that there haven't been like a ton of like reflective essay posts in the last nine months? I love writing those. Those are my favorite thing to write. But it took me a long time to realize this book is different than my others. And this book has about like two stories from the blog in it. It's definitely not one of those books that started with like, here are all the essays you wrote on your blog over the years and lucky you, you only have to write like 20 more pages. It's not like that at all. But mm-hmm. it's the same kind of writing in this book as is in that posts. And I realized like, why do I not have the energy to write those blog posts? I finally realized I can only write so much of that in a week and it was all going in the book. So you've got some delayed gratification coming your way in March. Yeah, it is definitely more explicitly personal growth. Mm -hmm. And when I started talking about this with my editor and my agent, y'all writers can be so obnoxious. (laughs) I was like, I have this idea and it's really good, but I don't wanna write it because I don't wanna write personal growth, but it would be so good. But it's personal growth. And I don't want to tell people, I'm a nine. I just did an Enneagram talk in Nashville. So I've like been (laughs) bathing in it for the past week. But I don't want to tell people what to do. And poor Shannon works for me. And I don't want to be your boss. But that's been a real journey for me, like to learn that like I do need, I do run a business now. And so I got to run it. And I do write books now. And sometimes you got to, I have, I created a podcast where I tell people what to read. I mean, at a certain point you have to own like that you, You set yourself up to tell people to do things, so you got to do them. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. don't overthink it as personal growth. Do you mind telling us the story of Trader Joe's? Yeah, here, hold it up. That's where the cover came from. Now, I am not presuming that you do this, but let me tell you a story of what used to happen to me every Tuesday morning at Trader Joe's, because I go on Tuesday morning. I go in the store, I grab my cart, I'd see the flowers first thing. Like, who doesn't love Trader Joe's flowers? Like, y'all, in March, for about two weeks, it's ranunculus season, mm-hmm. and they're $5.99, and they're my favorites. Okay. Yeah, and if you order them online, they're like 60 bucks a bouquet. I mean, come on. 
Mm-hmm. It's the best. So I'd walk you. Oh, but I'm like a natural born cheapskate. You should know this about me. Mm-hmm. And I hate clutter. And I got plenty of groceries to bring home because I got four kids. So I'd go in the store. I'd look at the flowers. I'd think about the flowers. Do they look good today? Do I want some? $3.99, $5.99. Ooh, but if I got the hydrangeas, I should get two bouquets. That's 12 That's more than I want to spend. I don't really need flowers. So you go through your list, but then you think, I should have gotten the flowers, and you're not out of produce yet. So you're going to circle back and get the flowers. But do you get the pink? Or do you get the yellow? Should you get mixed? No, you shouldn't. May- I don't know. They look nice kind of together. Do I have a vase? that? Go- I mean, can you imagine this, right? This sounds ridiculous because I'm saying your inner monologue out loud. And frequently, if you say your inner monologue out loud. Not something you want to hear. So then I'd I'd put the flowers in my cart. I'd circle the store. They'd crush them with the avocados. I'd decide this is stupid. I don't need flowers. I'd go to check out. I'd put them back. I'd check out. I'd get home. And I'd realize I was so busy thinking about the beautiful flowers that I forgot something essential on my grocery list. And also I'd be like, oh, we have people coming over tomorrow. Or like, oh, the peonies are not in bloom. Or, Anne, they're $4. Get over yourself and buy (laughs) the flowers. There have not always been times in my life where I should have spent $4 on Trader Joe's flowers. But at this time, I was at a time in my life where I could have spent $4 on Trader Joe's. I could have handed anyone $4 to not have that conversation with myself in my head that wasn't doing me any good. (laughs) And I know, I mean, you all, this is the conversation of a hundred girls nights dating back to being like 15 years old. Not Mm -hmm. only do we like take a bath in the bad stuff and just like splash around in it, but we also talk ourselves out of the good stuff. I think because it's habitual and we don't need to do that. No. Daffodils are $1.49 in the spring. I mean, come on, just put them (laughs) in your cart. Put them in the cart. Metaphorically speaking, Huntsville. You did talk about something on page 196, a quote from Wendell Berry. I have Berry. no idea what's on page 196. I'm about to tell you. <laughs> it was by Wendell Berry. And oh. He talks about, he talks about um, small destructions on page 196. He does. I mean, he's talking about our waterways. Right. Yeah. So he says, small destructions add up. And finally, they are understood collectively as large destructions. Barry was speaking of the health of our mountains, but I've come to understand that overthinking has a similar effect on our lives. At best, overthinking is a waste of effort and energy. At worst, it wrecks absolute havoc in our thought life. That is so very true. You equate these overthinking ways as Mm -hmm. small destructions. Can Mm -hmm. you expound a little bit on Mm -hmm. that collective results Mm -hmm. in our lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I love what Barry says, where he says that the health of the oceans, that's an enormous issue, Mm -hmm. but it starts as a very small issue that trickles down to a major Mm -hmm. source. So I don't want to, I mean, I'd love to camp out on Wendell Berry. Y'all, he's my Kentucky author, and I love him with my Mm -hmm. whole heart. But I also got to quote Annie Dillard in this book, who says, what we're doing with our minutes is what we're doing with our hours, and what we're doing with our hours is what we're doing with our days. And what you're doing with your days is what you're doing with your life. So mm-hmm. whatever you're doing in this minute and that one and that one, that is what you're doing. And mm-hmm. when I think about my poor scattered brain, the thing is obviously not the flowers. It's what are you doing with your minutes and what are you doing with your life? Because ain't mm-hmm. nobody got time for that. I think there was one zinger that I'm going to go ahead and share with everyone that got me. And, um, and then we're going to go in, into our What Should I Read Next little mini episode portion. But you said, if we can't trust ourselves to make the right decision about 
a 399 bouquet, it's no wonder we're slow to trust ourselves with the big stuff. I'm just gonna leave that right there. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. So we're gonna go to the next phase of our program, which I'm the most excited about. Erin Burke is here, and she has applied to be a guest on What Should I Read Next? This is gonna be fun. So the most frequently asked question about the podcast is how long a gap is there between when the person tells you what they love and what they don't and when you recommend books. And y'all, we don't stop. We just keep recording. I think usually there's an ad break in the podcast, but there's no gap. I don't like go hit the Googles or call my librarian friends or go to the bookstore, which means that every week, like people often tell me they're nervous. Are you nervous? Be honest. A little bit. Okay. Well, you and a mic and a bunch of people watching. Yeah. Sometimes people are like, I don't know, I got my cat in my lap and I'm in my pajamas. And I'm like, great, let's have some book talk. That sounds about perfect. But I have set up a show where every week I like put myself in the hot seat. And sometimes I think, what were you thinking? Now, what I usually do right now is I ask you if you have any questions. I don't think so. Well, pretend you're nervous. Say, Anne, I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous. Okay, this is what I'll tell her. I'll say, I get that. You're going to sound great because you're a book lover talking about something you love, something you're an expert on, something you know about. Another question we get all the time, when will you have some regular readers, not my phrase, this is one listeners came up with, because like nobody is a regular reader, right? You have a special reading life that is unique to you, and I think that's amazing. But when are you going to have somebody who's not a professional literacy author publishing person on? I'd like to think I could be in the hot seat. I'm like, yeah, like six of the last 10 episodes, but everybody sounds like super intelligent and polished talking about something they're an expert on, which is their reading life. Also, this is the part where I assure you, like, Brenna will have to edit me far more than she has to edit you. (laughs) Honest to goodness, I promise you, why is it so hard to talk about books you love in a way where you sound like an articulate, intelligent human being? Not that I profess to be, though, some days, but that is the dream on the podcast. So that's what I would tell you. it comes across well on the podcast. Brenna is a miracle worker. (laughs) And you know what Shannon and I didn't say before we got started is if you do listen to the podcast, who listens to the podcast in here? What should I read next? Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Brenna makes me say that. Um, (laughs) That show is edited and this situation is not. So you've been warned. (laughs) So what I usually do now is say, Aaron... I'm going to say welcome to the show, and then we'll get rolling. Thank you for having me. No, no, we're not rolling yet. I'm about about to tell you this, but you're perfect. That's a great line. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Erin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) I can't wait to talk books with you this evening in Huntsville, Alabama. Usually we would chit-chat for a while, but we're not going to do that because we'd be here until 1030, and we all know that we need to read before we go to bed. Do you all know that the original concept of the show was, hi, Aaron, I'm Anne. Tell me about three books you love. No talking. Just like, tell me your books, boom, 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 vending machine, done. That was the original concept. I wanted it to be 18 minutes an episode. But you were willing to take the hot seat in front of an audience. Not everybody is. Yes. What inspired you to submit your books? (laughs) I've actually applied to be on the podcast, and I did it a few months ago. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'm never going to make it to the top of that list because I know you have a ton of applicants. We get a lot. And so then I was buying the ticket for this event anyway, Mm -hmm. and it just worked out. I'm I'm excited I get to talk to you anyway. (laughs) I'm so glad. So how did you choose your favorites? 
it really was not hard for me. They are the books that really mean something to me very deeply and the books that I can read over and over again. Okay. And Do you keep a running list in your brain? Yeah, actually at home. So Because I don't know, it's very rare for somebody to be like, oh, you know, who doesn't know this stuff? <laughs> at home, we actually have like a big entertainment center mm-hmm. with our TV in the center. It has bookshelves on both mm-hmm. sides. I have one side and my husband has one side and we both keep like our 10 favorite books at the moment. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> That's adorable. And we all, we all want pictures, right? I guarantee you, if we put this on the air, we would get so many requests for the husband's photos because- It's very different from mine. He reads a lot of presidential biographies and sci-fi and I don't. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he's sitting right there. So. Is that the same genre or different genres? Presidential virus. <laughs> Who said, if you think you don't like to read, you just haven't found the right book for you yet? <laughs> it's the right book for somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. So anyway, I have a separate shelf. I keep my books that I've read throughout mm-hmm. the year, mm-hmm. and then I kind of like stack them onto the normal shelves at the end mm-hmm. of the year. And so I'll go through my favorite shelf and kind of say, okay, well, I take this one off and replace it with this one. Mm-hmm. And I keep the top 10 mm-hmm. right there. So Okay, so you're a visual thinker. Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Let's cut to it. This is hard for me, but let's cut to it. Okay. What did you choose for your first favorite? My first favorite is The Interpreter of Maladies by Jim Lahiri. Mm-hmm. Um, it's short stories. I could have picked any Jim Lahiri book. Mm-hmm. I love all her books, and I've read most of them I've read more than once. Mm-hmm. I think her latest one, I, I need to reread it. Mm-hmm. I read it in college. I had to read it first-year composition mm-hmm. class, and it was the first contemporary literature I read that— like I liked. She just has such a a nice and simple prose style and while delving into the emotional emotionalness of it. And we read this for the class and we had to write a short story in mm-hmm. response to reading the book. Mm-hmm. And we had a really tough teacher. I don't remember her saying this, but a friend of mine told me that at the beginning of the year she had said, I don't give A's because if I give an A, I have to call my mother and I don't call my mother. <laughs> so most of my um, papers we, in that we class could, were B's and we C's. We could evaluate that statement on a different podcast, <laughs> yes, maybe. Yes. <laughs> so I did not get very many A's, but I wrote the short story and I got an A minus. And that mm-hmm. was, the I think, the experience of reading that book and writing that was what made me feel like I can write, like mm-hmm. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So that's my first favorite. I really, I really love that book. And I've read, I've read it a couple times, mm-hmm. not recently. I need to reread it. Jhumpa Lahiri. Mm-hmm. So deceptively simple. Mm-hmm. Those are not necessarily happy stories. No. Are you able to articulate what it is that draws you to that style? It's not overly written, mm-hmm. but she still says so much in what she writes. Mm-hmm. And I find what she, the subject of what she writes very fascinating because mm-hmm. she's writing a lot about the immigrant experience and mm-hmm. intergenerational family drama. What do you choose for your second favorite? My second favorite is... Wait, Gil- hold on. Oh. This is where Brenda tells me to repeat. <laughs> So that was Interpreter of Maladies <laughs> by Jhumpa Lahiri. So everyone can get the title. <laughs> I mean, they're in the show notes, but still. Yeah. Second favorite is Gilead mm-hmm. by Marilyn Robinson. Mm-hmm. I could just cry talking about that book. I love that book so much. <laughs> I was on a local show called Five Things at our local NPR station. It's a lot like What Should I Read Next, actually, in that every week a guest brings five physical objects into the studio, and you're telling your life in five physical things. So when I was on the show, I brought my walking shoes and a camera and a copy of Pride and Prejudice and some coffee, which meant more than you think it does. My friend said, half her guests cry, talking about these five objects they bring to represent their lives. Y'all, we're only running like 10%. 
But you'd be in good company. And maybe bump up our odds. We could be a more like emotionally charged show. All right. With that being said, so Gilead. Gilead. Yeah. For those of you who don't know about it, I guess. So it's narrated by John Ames, who's a, a minister in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And he's writing a letter to his son because he has found out that he has like a heart condition or something. And he has a young son and he's an older father. And it's just beautiful. And it's full of beautiful theology. I do like reading faith stories like that that are more mainstream, but have that element in them. And it's, I think I underlined like something on every page of that book. Okay. Have you read her other work? Um, I've read Leela and I really liked that too. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Oh, how do you say it? Well, I say it Lila in my head, but that could totally oh, be wrong. This has know. not been fact-checked in any way. <laughs> I don't know. But the What Should I Read Next standard is NPR. Like my, my oh. first choice is like, I hope they've talked about it on NPR and I go with that. Otherwise, I try to find where the author has been interviewed in person, or where they say their own name. That's ideal. Or when they've been interviewed in person or talked about their work. But sometimes you'll hear them like present at the Carnegie Library and the interviewer will go, and Boggle. And that's just not, that's why we go with NPR when we can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've read that one and Mm -hmm. I really liked it too. Mm -hmm. And I have the rest of them on my list, but have not gotten to all of them. So take it slowly because I don't want to, you know, run out and just I don't treat understand myself to one this instinct, every... but I admire it and I like <laughs> that it exists in the world. You know, it's fun if you did want to, I try not to recommend books by the same author unless I'm like, come on, you got to read this right now. Like, what are you waiting for? But I'm listening to the Dutch house, which I already mm-hmm. read and I really loved. I saw for sale out there. I'm not saying you'll love it, but I really loved it. There aren't many books, if any books discussed in that book, except for housekeeping, which two of the characters read and can't stop talking about with each other. It's like their (laughs) own little book club. So that is Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. Erin, what did you choose for your third favorite? My third favorite is The Folded Clock by Heidi Julevitz. Mm. I haven't read this one. Tell me about it. Um, It is a diary. Mm -hmm. I am a sucker for diaries. Mm -hmm. I love reading about like the mundane details of people's Mm -hmm. lives. So she's writing about motherhood and just worries as she's getting older Mm -hmm. and her career. But the catch of it is that it's not in order. Mm -hmm. So all of the diary entries, they're not a random order. I Mm -hmm. think that she had a system where she put them in an order, Mm -hmm. but they're not in date order. And I think the point of that is that you kind of see how the themes of your life kind of circle back to you again. Mm -hmm. No, I haven't read this, but I know that it's often called experimental and that it's a heavily edited diary. Well, it might be heavy, heavily yeah. edited. I of don't course it is. Like... It got published. Anything that got published. like <laughs> I feel like saying experimental makes it not seem... Not weird enough it's to not be weird. experimental. No, it's not weird. Did you use the word mundane? You like the mundane? I do. Okay. I oh, do. shoot. This is where I screwed up. So your third favorite was Folded Clocks by... The Folded Clock by Heidi Julevitz. Heidi Julevitz. <laughs> there we go. How did you choose the book that wasn't for you? It's probably the book I've read most recently that I didn't really like. Oh, that's a good way to choose. So, and I feel like if I really don't like mm-hmm. a book, I have gotten a lot better about putting books down. Well, what so, was it? it? It was The Overstory by mm-hmm. Richard Powers, mm-hmm. I think. I like that way of so, choosing because it shows what you were drawn to, that you were willing to take a chance on, but that yeah. ended up not being the right book for you. So <laughs> my husband is <laughs> laughing because I have to tell the reason I was drawn to this book. Yeah. Is it on his favorite shelf? He, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. not... <laughs> he was on a trip to Colorado uh-huh. and had finished the book he had brought with mm-hmm. him on the trip. Mm-hmm. And he stopped at the airport bookstore, mm-hmm. knowing nothing about this book, picked it up, 
then got home and had read like the first hundred pages or so and was like, oh my gosh, Erin, this is so good. You're going to love it. You have to read it. And then the next day, mm-hmm. it won the Pulitzer Prize. So it felt like wow. a sigh. <laughs> so your smug level was like one to 10. Somewhere in there. <laughs> so I felt like I should read it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I did not really like it. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was overwritten. Mm-hmm. All right. So the overstory oh, yes. by Richard Ford won the Pulitzer. Yes. The day after it was declared worthy. <laughs> It's almost written like as a series of short stories. Yeah, kind of. It's about the trees. Yeah. Eco-terrorists. Yeah. Research and unhappy people. Yeah. It was a lot of prose. I, the thing I say about it, this probably sounds bad, but for a book about how important trees and protecting our forests are, I felt like it used a lot of unnecessary paper. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm going to contradict myself when I tell you what I'm reading now, but I don't typically like longer books. I feel, I usually feel Mm -hmm. like they could be edited down. Mm -hmm. Well, that's usually true. So I remember my seventh grade English teacher saying, the thing about a short story is that there shouldn't be a word in there that doesn't have to be there. And I remember thinking at the time, shouldn't that be true of everything that gets written? (laughs) And now I understand why she didn't say that. Okay, let me think. So you loved Gilead. Interpreter of Melodies. Oh, which my mind was resisting because that kind of messes with my theory. So I'm thinking that the overstory, I feel you aren't compelled to relate to the characters in the same way. Well, I guess I don't, Lahiri, she pulls you in. Yeah, she you does. Don't, you don't necessarily like, like them and want to go step into their lives. Yeah, I've, I, the overstory characters, though, I, by the end, I but that's not the point. Really care. The it's point the isn't point. like that's to true. walk into their life that's true. and hang out that's for true. 300 pages. Do you it's like that experience, pages. though? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay. It depends. Gilead is very much in the person's life, very yeah. immersed. So Yeah. You want stories with heart. Does that sound too cheesy to say yes to? No, it doesn't. I don't know. Now I feel like I need to look at all the books I've read and see, does it have heart or not? Erin, what are you reading now? So what I'm reading now, well, I'll tell you another, a book I finished recently that I liked, which was Modern Lovers by mm-hmm. Emma Straub. I really mm-hmm. liked that book a lot. It's different than the other ones. It is different. It's yeah. a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but she... She is so perfect at writing something that's lighter but makes you feel smarter for reading it at the mm-hmm. same time. So mm-hmm. so I liked that one. What I'm reading right now is Duck's Newburyport, which contradicts what I said about not liking long books because it's a thousand pages long. <laughs> what page are you on? I think I'm almost on page 600. Mm-hmm. And I like it, mm-hmm. but I have read a few other books interspersed. Like I've taken a break and read mm-hmm. something short mm-hmm. because it's a lot. So that's the kind of thing you're willing to take a chance on. Y'all, the reason for the what are you reading now is it shows me where you're willing to go. What you're willing to take a chance on. Yeah. Even though it could end very badly. Yeah, I like it. And or it could, it could be amazing. We don't know yet, but you're willing to try. What are you looking for in your reading life? I want more books that make me want to write. And that have stories that I love, mm-hmm. but also prose that I love. Because mm-hmm. when I read a book that doesn't have prose that I think is interesting, mm-hmm. I, I don't care about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> More books that make you want to write. Bonus points if they're writers in the book, or do you care? I don't know. I don't care. Okay. In fact, I think I may maybe rather not. Just normal people. <laughs> not that writers aren't normal people. But <laughs> no, it, it can, but it doesn't have to, for sure. Gilead, Interpreter of Maladies, Folded Clocks, 
Mundane is not bad. I do like mundane. Slice of life. Mm -hmm. A little achy, earnest, weepy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a book about a writer. Oh, you can recommend it. It's fine. All right. I'll I'll think about it. Okay. First of all, (laughs) let me think. You got to read Housekeeping. It's so short. It's so little. I do. Okay. Marilyn Robinson. She's so good. I know you're like parceling her out. But if you could read like five Marilyn Robinson books before you finish this Ducks Newberry Report. And that's the thing is mm-hmm. I really am enjoying this book, but also mm-hmm. I'm feeling the ache of all the books I'm not reading mm-hmm. while I'm reading this. Mm-hmm. So if this really bothers you for your reading challenge, track your pages, not your books. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. What do I want you to read? Y'all, the problem I have here is I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to read Crossing to Safety. Oh, I love that book. Yeah. Okay. Thank okay. you. Yeah. I have to not recommend that. Also A Place for Us by Fatima Farheen Mirza. The one about the writer that I think you may really enjoy is Writers and Lovers by Lily King. She wrote Euphoria, which might also be really good for you. Have you read that? I have not. Her prose is compact. Not like Hemingway Stark, you know? So this isn't coming out till March, which is kind of a problem. And it's about a writer, which might be kind of a problem for you. But it's a writer whose life is going terribly, horribly, no good, very bad. She's waitressing with jerks. She's writing stuff that's not selling She's living in a crappy apartment, being actively overrun by black mold. Oh. I know. (laughs) But she pulls it together. And it is such a joy to watch her do so. It's literary. Mm -hmm. It's Lily King. Yeah. So it's serious. And it's like 300 pages. Okay. Oh, the dialogue is so good. And the characters who are kind of jerky for the first 50 pages, you're going to be like, what? Like, get away, dude. That's what you're going to be thinking. The arc she takes her character on is so fascinating. And because the book is set adjacent to the literary world of Boston. Y'all, I read this piece in the New York Times about how everybody's saying adjacent now. And now I can't stop (laughs) editing myself. But what I mean is, it's not a book about the literary world of Boston. But the character is an outsider who, like, voyeurs into that world occasionally. Like, she goes to a book signing. You go to book signings. This, and this I, sounds like how I feel about the literary world. So it sounds, it sounds uh-huh, good. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it could be really fun. She is a writer who's trying to make it. But I think that could be fun for you to read yes. because of the way this book is done and not depressing. So Lil, that was Euphoria by Lily King. The bad news is it's not coming out till March. March. Okay. I'll put that on my list. Mm-hmm. Okay. I forgot to tell you that when you tell me the three books you love and what you don't and all that, and I think, well, now let's talk about what you should read next. My terror before every time I sit down to record is that at this point in the show, I'll be like, I don't know. (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) It's not funny when it's you. (laughs) Do you like to read new or do you like to go old? I like both. I'm always very tempted by the new. I like to keep up with the books that are coming out and I'm always wanting to read them. But then I try to like, I know there's so much backlist that is so Mm -hmm. good too. So Mm -hmm. I kind of mix it up. Okay, for something more new than old, have you read The Dearly Beloved by Kara Wall? Yes. How was that a match for yes, you? I really liked it. Do a you lot. all know this book? Heads are going in all directions. <laughs> um, the reason I thought about this is you said you like stories of faith and you also like mm-hmm. literary criticism, and those worlds overlap a little bit, but not terribly much. Oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that before? But well, okay. that's a very quiet book, and I really liked that about it. Is it is quiet. It gets so. compared a lot to Crossing to Safety, which I kind of think, oh, I totally see it, and I kind of think, back off. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I had heard that comparison, mm-hmm. and so I, I really liked that book a lot, 
but I had, because it was compared to Crossing to Safety, mm-hmm. I had expected a longer time span of the story. Okay. So. so this is a story of two couples who are linked, even though the wives <laughs> don't like each other. They don't like each other <laughs> at all. But the husbands are called to co-pastor a historical church in Greenwich Village in like 1963, yeah, I think, like that, yeah. when things were happening in the United States and in New York City. So it's historical fiction, and it's about two people in very difficult circumstances and their wives who are dragged along kicking and screaming. Well, at least one of them is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did like that one a lot. So Wendell Berry. Talk to me about Wendell Berry. I have a book on my shelf, and I haven't read it. Which one is it? Hannah Coulter, I think. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I haven't read any Wendell Berry. I've read like Well, some- what made you put Hannah Coulter on your shelf? I had heard it recommended and that I would probably like it. And mm-hmm. I bought it at a bookstore, but mm-hmm. it's on my shelf of, at some point I'll get to all those books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that the one I should start with or should I start with a different one? You should start with Hannah Coulter. Okay. So I think Hannah Coulter and Jaber Crow are great ways in. If you're reading nonfiction, The Way of Ignorance is a fantastic one to start with because then you get to read about small streams. Also, What Are People For is good because then you get to read his snarky take on why he doesn't own a computer, which is still true today. Interesting. Um, it is interesting. His wife edits all his longhand work, and then it gets wow. typed up, wow. which I imagine sounds very satisfying, and yet I'm glad I don't work that way. <laughs> um, so Wendell Berry writes, quiet. I feel like half of you are like, oh, that's my least favorite word, but you're, not, you're thinking like, ooh, yeah, I hope. I yeah. He writes, quiet, <laughs> compact fiction about real people living in small communities who bump up against each other in ways that are not necessarily obvious to the community, but he takes you in into their hearts in a way that, oh my gosh, does this sound so boring? No. I think you're going to love it. I think you are going to yes. love it. Although I have to say, as a Kentuckian, it requires maybe more imagination for me than it might for you. Mm-hmm. He, he has this series of novels called the Port William Novels, and Port William is based on Carrollton, and Carrollton is not what it used to be, but I never saw what it used to be. So when I see Carrollton, Kentucky, I think, but it sounds so much more romantic in the novels, but you've not been to Carrollton, Kentucky, no. right? So you no. won't have that problem. And if you're from Carrollton, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I love you. And I want to see pictures from days gone by. Okay, so of the books we talked about today, Hannah Coulter by Wendell... I'm not going in order because I don't have my notebook. Hannah Coulter by Wendell Berry, mm-hmm. Writers and Lovers by mm-hmm. Lily King, mm-hmm. and The One in the Middle. What was it? I don't think we did One in the Middle. <laughs> did we do One in the Middle? Oh, that doesn't count, though. Two by the same author, you can't count that. Yeah. I have to come up with one more? come up with one more. <laughs> have you read any Anne Lamott? Yes, I love Anne Lamott. Because what I was thinking was, what she does so well is she takes these things that she's anxious about and she's afraid of, and she turns the volume up. But she <laughs> takes these like neuroses that we all have to some degree, and she like turns it up to 11, and it's just mm-hmm. hysterical. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm visualizing the bookshelf in my home that I think you would be most comfortable with. Have you read any Maggie O'Farrell? I read one of them I read the one that you recommended a lot in your podcast like last was year. it this must be the place yes okay how was that I liked it because what I like about this must be the place for you is it does really interesting things with time and narrative yes. and the yes. way folded I did find does. that interesting but I wasn't sure if it grow long-winded it did a little bit okay yeah oh. in which case the hand that first held mine 
is a 300-pager that tells a more straightforward narrative of a family that has been plunged into an unexpected situation rooted in the past, but the issue has just been brought into the present. And so what you have is you have a bunch of characters who have to deal with their old junk all of a sudden really fast because they've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, but all of a sudden it matters right now today because they have to find a loved one. It's set in Ireland, which... That's a plus. Always, I mean, it's always a plus. <laughs> yeah. I hope there's an audiobook that has a wonderful Irish brogue that somebody can listen to. I read this on paper, but I think she has the kind of writing like Robinson and Lahiri that shows you people's inner mm-hmm. hopes and fears and concerns. Not as much joy because it's literary fiction. I mean, you got to hold out for the joy. Or it comes to the beginning and then it or all... you like, never get it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that's true. That's true. What they do so well is you see what's happening on the surface of things and you see what's happening below. I like that. Ooh, have you read Ursula Under? No. Do you know this? I've heard it, yeah. It's too long. So Ursula Under, <laughs> it's by Ingrid Hill. It's 600 pages, but you want to read more books that may show you how to be a writer. What she does with narrative, she like connects the dots between these characters in a way that is fascinating that you would never know in real life that I think as a writer would have you thinking, oh, the power of fiction. Yeah. Because real life doesn't work like that, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work on the page. I think that could be really interesting. Go into it knowing this book is too long. Like they go off to China for a bit, especially, and they go way back in time. And you're like, can we please get back to the 20th century where it was a little like tighter, but bear with it through that section because I think it would pay off. And I don't know what kind of fiction you want to write, but I think as a novelist reading widely Mm -hmm. is really good. And what she does, her specific kind of style, she does it really, really well. Ursula Under by Ingrid Hill, because I actually have three books now. Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Hannah Coulter by Jaber Crow. Of those three books, probably not going to be the Lily King since it doesn't come out yeah, till March. March. What do you think you'll read next? It has to be Hannah Coulter, right? Yeah, because it's sitting on, on my shelf. shelf. Yes. I like this. Yes. Okay, so we're going to send you home. You have homework. You're going to yes. read that one. Okay. And then you're going to report back, I hope. Okay, yeah. And I tell will. us what you yeah. think. Thank you for talking Thank you very with much. me, This Aaron. was a lot of fun. Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Shannon and Aaron today, and I'd love to hear what you think Aaron should read next in our comments section. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 222, and it's where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today, plus pre-order information for my new book, Don't Overthink It. Subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We will see you next week. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Follow me on Instagram at Ann Bogle and at our all books all the time podcast account, What Should I Read Next? We're doing fun things there like our What Should I Read Next reader recommendation series. Our newsletter subscribers are the first to know all the What Should I Read Next news and happenings. If you're not on the list, just go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter to sign up for our free weekly delivery. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, check out my new book, Don't Overthink It. All those things spread the book love and we appreciate them all greatly. Thanks to the people who make this show happen. What Should I Read Next is produced by Brenna Frederick with sound design by Kellen Pekacek. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, 
awe how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Usually there's not wine when I record podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Cheers!